0: Turn your Bible, please, to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. It's really exciting to be in the house of God on this day, and I'm so grateful for your being present. This is a wonderful testimony of faith and love to the Lord, and I want you to know I'm proud of you and grateful for you. When Christmas comes on Sunday or Christmas Eve comes on Sunday, I never know whether we're going to have anybody or not. People, you know, go out of town and so on, and I'm so proud of you being here today. It's wonderful, a wonderful, large attendance, and we're grateful for your presence. Galatians chapter 4, there are a number of very, very vital scriptures in the Bible, that touch the heartstone of our souls. John 3:16. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Psalm 23, verse one, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. John 14:1. let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Malachi 3.16. And there was a book of memory written for those who thought upon the Lord. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And on and on we could go. But among those very famous verses, is Galatians 4. And it's a verse, if it is not marked in your Bible already, you need to mark it. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for these wonderful verses from the Bible. We pray that the Spirit of God will open them and we may see the nuggets of truth we shall behold him as King of kings and Lord of lords. And may somebody within the sound of our voice today open his heart to Jesus. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son. God always acts on time. Sometimes we wonder, where is god when ahab had killed naboth and taken his vineyard and years went by somebody cried out where is god does he know about this sometimes you face the uneven times and the hard times and the unfair times and the times when you wonder Does God know anything about this? I want to guarantee you, God knows. And God is waiting in the shadows for the proper time to do something about it. God has the last word. And this scripture says, in the fullness of the time, 400 years had gone by since Malachi. It was a dark time in Israel's history. There was no Isaiah, there was no Jeremiah. There was no Elijah, there was no Malachi, there was no prophet, there was no word from God. Our America is just a little over 200 years old. Can you imagine what it would be like in our nation if there'd been no voice of the prophet? That's what it was like in Israel. That's what it was like in the world. It was a dark, dark time. In the fullness of the time God came upon the scene of history. It was the fullness of the time as far as government climate was concerned. There was a lack of confidence in the government. People did not like Caesar. They did not like Quirinius. They did not like Augustus. They did not like Herod. They didn't like Pilate. They didn't like any of those leaders of the old Roman world. And there was an unsettled time. And right in the midst of all that confusion the fullness of time with God came. It was the fullness of time philosophically. Paul mentions that Many of the people of the great cities just sat around having nothing to do but talking about this and that with their whittle sticks, so to speak. And they didn't know anything. They philosophized about this and about that. And one of the things they were philosophizing about was the meaning of a word. We call that a map. What does map mean? We call that a tree. What does tree mean? And they were... There was a philosophy about that. And John, picking that up in that ancient world, began to talk about the logos. He said, you've been wanting to know what a word is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was the beginning with God. Without him was not anything made that was made. It was like Paul standing at Mars Hill, right in front of the Acropolis, And he looked all around and saw all the heathen temples. He saw a temple to the God of Jupiter and Venus and all these other gods. And he looked around, he saw one over there that said to the unknown God. And Paul said, whom you worship ignorantly. I see you're very, very religious and very superstitious and have all these gods whom you worship ignorantly. I'm going to tell you, that's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was the fullness of the time philosophically. It was the fullness of the time in a civilized world that was acting less and less civilized. The leaders would kill their own children afraid they would try to get their place in the government. Herod was one of the most wicked kings. He killed his own wife so he could marry somebody else. Finally, he took somebody else's wife, and when John the Baptist stood up to him, and incidentally, don't anybody, let anybody ever tell you that the preacher's mouth ought to be closed about government issues, never. Jeremiah spoke to it, Isaiah spoke to it, John the Baptist spoke to it, and when John the Baptist said it's not right for you to have your brother's wife, they put him in prison and finally beheaded him because he meddled in the government affairs. Ladies and gentlemen, one of our big problems today is everybody's case sirrah, all, just go along with the crowd. Don't make any difference what goes on. That's the way it was then to some degree. It was the fullness of the time and the moral climate. If you wanna know what the moral climate was like, you just read some of Paul's writings. Read Romans chapter one where he talks about the women leaving the natural desire toward a man, and the man leading, leaving the natural desire toward a woman. And homosexuality was promiscuous. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. It was the fullness of the time in the religious climate. There were all kinds of fake religions, just as there are today. In our county, there are 44 Baptist churches, 44 Southern Baptist churches, plus about 10 other kinds of Baptist churches. And there are Catholic churches, and Methodist churches, and Episcopalian churches, and and, uh, uh, Christian churches, and churches of Christ, and, and so on. Most of those, hold to the main themes of the Word of God. Most of those believe in the deity of Christ and the virgin birth of Christ and the, the uh, atoning death of Christ on the cross and the vicarious suffering of Christ and the glorious second coming of Christ. But there are all kinds of other religions today in a confused world, most confused religious times anybody has ever seen, and they go around peddling their philosophies and their religious ideals and people are confused. Just confused. They don't know what to believe. A lady called me one day on the phone and she said, uh, I've been attending this Bible study and I want to ask you some questions. And she was asking me about the second coming of Christ. She said, I never heard of that before. She's a member of our church. She was at that time. I said, You never heard of that before? No, I never heard of it before. And then I tried to remember when I last saw her at church. I think she came one time, maybe twice, and then dropped out. She had never heard of the second coming of Christ. How many of you have never heard of the second coming of Christ? We try to preach it here often. I believe Jesus is coming again, any time, any day, any moment. But this lady had gotten all confused about it because people were peddling her all kinds of strange doctrines as if Christ had already come and we're living in the millennial dawn and she was taking the watchtower paper and, and so on and she was all confused. I want to just tell you, this is not in the sermon. Get in Sunday School and Training Union. You sin against yourself when you don't come to Training Union. That's where we talk about the great doctrines of the, of the Word of God and the Scriptures and, 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 and how we apply what we learn in Sunday school to real life and to a given situations. So be sure to be in Trinity Union and in Sunday school and study the Word of God. Well, it was the fullness of the time. And God looked over the balconies of heaven and He saw all the confusion of our world. And God came down knocking on baby fingers, knocking on the world's door with baby fingers, and said, Have you any room? They came to Bethlehem. You know, I don't know why God chose to come to the earth as a little baby. But how else would he have done it? If he'd all of a sudden appeared as a spaceman from outer space, no one would have, people would have been scared to death. If all of a sudden some, little, some guy would come down and say, I'm from Mars or Jupiter, or I'm from heaven, what would you think? Suppose well, he'd walk in this church today. You wouldn't know what to think. You'd be confused, more confused than ever. God, in His wonderful providence, determined that the way to come to earth was to so humble Himself and so limit Himself that everybody of every age and every color And every background and every ethnic background could identify with him. And so he chose to become flesh in Nazareth when the angel of the Lord said to Mary, that holy thing that is conceived in you is of God. And he said later to Joseph, don't be afraid to take unto you Mary, your wife. You've discovered she's with child, This is not some illicit relationship. She is with child by the Holy Ghost. And you shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from their sins. And God came to live among men as a little baby in a manger. Aren't you glad? All those wonderful experiences we have at Christmas. We sing away in a manger. No room for a crib. The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the heaven looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus, asleep on the hay. God in that little manger. They took him to the temple. And Anna and Simeon, old people, looked at him. Why they said, this is the Messiah. I can now die in peace. And one of them said, this Messiah, Young baby is set for the rise, the fall and rise of many in Israel. And he shall be spoken as a sign. And Mary pondered all these things in her heart. The shepherds came and they worshipped him and they went out and told everybody. The wise men followed that star and they came and brought their gifts. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh because he was gonna die on a cross for our sins. In the fullness of the time, God came tabernacling among men as a little baby. I don't know how anybody can mistreat a little baby. How could you kill a little baby in the womb? How could you ever do that? How could you take a little baby after he's born and swing him against a wall and beat his head against the wall until his brains come out like you've read in the papers. How could you do that? You see, God came as a little baby to teach us to teach, to train, to teach, to to deal with babies reverently and lovingly. I love the little babies in our church. Shane has just become an uncle. His brother and his wife had a little baby the other day. The Halls have a new little baby in their family. Rachel had a new little baby. I love to see little Jessica Clay and and all these wonderful little babies that come. I love them. God came as a little baby. You know, a little baby has to be totally dependent on their parents and on others. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can't clothe themselves. They can't do anything. What does that teach us? You see, babies teach us. While we teach them, we t- they teach us to be gentle, to be kind, to be forgiving. What mother and daddy holds a grudge against your little baby because he woke you up at 3 o'clock in the morning hungry? You mean old blah, 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 blah. I'll throw you out the window. You don't do that. That little baby's taught you patience and love and kindness and gentleness and meekness. That's what Jesus did. He came as a little baby to teach us all those things. And then he grew up. And one day he walked 60 miles from Nazareth down to Adam on the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. And John was right in the middle of his preaching Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, oh, John was a great preacher. Jesus later was to say, nobody born of woman has ever been greater than John the Baptist. He was that powerful jungle preacher that raised his voice and shouted brimstone and, uh, and talked about hell some people don't like that, they want you to stand. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want you to get very excited about anything. So let's be very calm. Uh, God is very wonderful, the God of all the world. Blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you, if you know the Lord, He gets you excited. And John the Baptist was excited and all of a sudden, right in the middle of that excitement, he stopped and he looked. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. The Lamb of God. Why every Jew knew what he was talking about. They may not have understood all that that meant about Jesus, but they knew about a lamb. They knew that the lamb was slain for their sins. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. For, with, for, for by the blood are all things purged, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's what John the Baptist meant that day. When he said, behold, the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. There he comes. There's a song that we don't ever sing. It says, here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus, and I like it. Here he comes, John was saying, here he comes, the Lamb of God from heaven, and he's going to pay the price for our our sin. There was none other good enough to, to pay the price for sin. He only could unlock the door of heaven and let us in. Oh, how wonderful. In the fullness of the time, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Why did Jesus come? He didn't come just to be a teacher though he was the greatest of teachers. He didn't come just to be a philanthropist though he fed 5,000. And when they didn't have any money, he said, go down and find a coin in that fish's mouth. And when somebody died, he said, Lazarus come forth and that guy had been dead four days came out of the grave. Amen. Somebody said, well, what about all this putrefication? He'd been dead four days and his sister said, behold, he stinketh. They didn't have him bombing. They didn't bomb him. What about that? Well, God caused all that to go the other way. Amen. He reversed it. The same God that can start it can reverse it. Right. The same God that can steal still the winds and the waves. Can say to a dead man, Come forth. And to those who have slept in the graves all these years, when Jesus comes again, they're going to gloriously be raised in the likeness of Christ and will be with Him forever and forever. In the fullness of the time, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law. Listen, we were hopeless, hell bound sinners. There's not one man, woman, boy, or girl within the sound of my voice today who can say, I have never sinned. And sin is a terrible thing. When God looks at us, he doesn't compare us with each other. He doesn't say, Phil, you stand here, and Cleo, you stand here, and Chris, you stand here, and Kenny, you stand here, and then say, Richard, you're as good as Kenny, you as good as Cleo, you, and so on, blah, blah. He doesn't say that. He maybe lines us up and then he puts Jesus over there. He says, uh, Richard, are you as good as Jesus? No, no. And when that began to dawn on my heart, I knew I needed him. Amen. Boys and girls, you're not as good as Jesus, are you? You need, you need Jesus. You need him as your sin bearer, your savior. He came to redeem you. Young people, you're not as good as Jesus. Remember, he went through all the temptations that you've gone through, but without sin. He went through all the trials that you've gone through. He didn't have enough money, didn't have enough clothes, didn't have any place to live. Listen, he went through every imaginable problem that you and I have had, and yet he never doubted God and he never sinned. He was our example. He was our Redeemer. He is our Redeemer. And then when they led him to the cross, they drove those nails in his hands and in his feet and drove a spear in his side. The blood had stripped had dripped down the, his face from that old crown of thorns. And while he was dying, he looked into the face of God the Father and he said, Father, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that moment, God the Father and God the Son made an eternal agreement that whosoever would believe in Jesus Amen. would not perish but have everlasting life. And that promise is true today. For God so loved the world, God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In the fullness of the time, God sent forth his Son. May we pray. Our Father, we thank you for that wonderful truth that God came tabernacled among men and he's available today to anyone who will come to him by faith we pray that the Holy Spirit would move in this place this morning and someone without Jesus would open his heart to Christ and this would be the beginning of days in his life and Lord help us to be tired of our sins and as believers of the times when we cave in and we're, we're involved in things that we're so ashamed of and sorry about. Thank you, there's forgiveness in Christ. And Lord, we pray that somebody here today who has not found that forgiveness would come and say, Here am I, Lord. Forgive me, save me, cleanse me, wash me in thy blood. I give myself to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.